Hello and welcome to Fair Game, the podcast with a firm focus on Irish sports women. Coming to you on the Tall Tales Podcast Network. I'm Emily Glenn. And I'm Shauna Cook. Before we get into this episode, big ask this week, as we'd be forever grateful if you could subscribe, rate and review this podcast on iTunes, where you'll find a full archive of episodes too. And don't forget, Fair Game is also available to subscribe to on iTunes, Android, Stitcher and Spotify. Sharing episodes on the likes of Twitter, Facebook and Instagram also really helps us to spread the word. So send it on to your friends, your family, your clubmates, anyone you think might enjoy it. And follow us on Twitter too, at Fair Game Cast, to stay up to speed on everything happening in women's sports on and off the field. We've all heard those motivational mantras, it's mind over matter, keep your head in the game. But what happens when it's not that easy, when your mind isn't playing ball? Well, our guest in the Fair Game hot seat today is going to tell us how they helped Ireland's most successful athletes navigate that very dilemma. Miriam Hussey is an integrated wellness coach who specialises in performance psychology, but Miriam knows that success isn't based on any one thing. Cognitive, nutritional, physical and mental health are all really important when you're trying to be their best. Miriam, you're very welcome to Fair Game. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Miriam, let's dive right in. What is an integrated health and wellness performance coach? So that is a good question. Um, well, for me, I predominantly focus on how can I help people be at their best? So whether that's in the sporting game, whether it's on the pitch as a female performance or whether it's in a corporate organization or maybe it's just in your own personal life, whether you are a busy mom, you've kids at home, you're trying to juggle all of these things. And in today's world, you know, of busyness and stress and distraction and these high pressures that we have on ourselves we often can get overwhelmed we can often get you know stressed out and we can often lose sight of of who we are and what we want in life so for me um i have studied pharmacy i've looked at nutrition i've looked at well-being in the broader context and what i try to do is bring it all together so that when you meet somebody whether it's a team or whether it's an individual performer that you try to get them to a place where they're at their most vibrant self, where they're living a life they're passionate about, that they're doing that and they're living a lifestyle that is conduent to allow them to be at their best. So when I talk about lifestyle, and that's really what I focus on is lifestyle is medicine. So what are you doing in your everyday life? What's the style you're living your life in? So that looks at sleep, that looks at nutrition, that looks at relationships, it looks at your career, and it looks at, you know, stress and all of these components that when you put them all together, there's no just one magic pill, there's no one magic, you know, bullet that makes us perform at our best or be the best in the world. What it is, is it's a, an accumulation of tiny little things that we do every day. And it's that integrated approach. And we look at not just the physical body. Yes, of course, exercise, movement, food, all of that is incredibly important. But we have to look beyond just the physical. We have to look at the mind. We have to look at our thoughts. We look at our emotions, the stories we tell ourselves. And we have to look at how we're managing adversity. So stress, how are we dealing with that? How are we looking at our sleep? And also another massive component into this integrated health and wellness performance, you know, title that you, you mentioned earlier is looking at the spirit or looking at the soul. And that's one, would you believe, that we often forget about and maybe be ignore or maybe we just don't put enough importance on it. Excellent. And Miriam, how does that approach differ from kind of the more traditional approaches we see, you know, deployed with athletes and just people in general? Yeah, and I um I think for me it's it's looking beyond what we see or perceive to be the norm. 
Um, we all look at, we want that extra 1%, you know, and um, we want to be hun- at our 100% best. But I think we can't focus on that extra 1% unless we have the other 99% correct. And for me, that's often we kind of bypass the the simple things and we bypass the everyday things that need to be done right and correctly. And we start to focus on that one percent, the complexity or the external things. Mm. Whether well, what I try and focus on with people is look at the 99 percent things. So look at every day. Have you a morning routine? What is it? Do you take time every day to allow time and rest to rest and repair and recover? Do you allow time every day to disconnect from your phone and unplug from the crazy busyness that we get sucked into? Do you allow time to eat proper, real, wholesome food? Do you drink enough water? Do you get enough sleep? Do you have fun and laughter in your life? And I think that comes back to that that sense of the spirit of the soul. That's that's the energy You know, are you laughing? Are you having fun? Are you playing? I have that sense of freedom. And I think if you're an athlete and you play with freedom, you play with a sense of you love what you do and you're not playing out of fear of failure or fear of must perform. It's an incredible difference. And you can see that in people and you can see people when they're in the flow state. They remove themselves from the distraction and they just get into a flow state. And I think that may be that little bit of a difference where you allow people um, the time and space to actually tap into who they are and let yeah. that come out rather than try to be somebody else or, you know, perform in a way that maybe inhibits who they really are and what they'd really be allowed to expose if they were just in flow state. Excellent. It's it's really interesting because for me, being an athlete, I think I would have discovered that very late in, in my career. You know, I always thought yeah. being younger, you know, you kind of had to be a certain way and act a certain way and you know mm. you do forget to enjoy yourself and it's kind of when you get a bit older you, you kind of I don't know if it's because you're coming to the end you know it's you it's relax near. more yeah <laughs> you just kind of think oh, I can enjoy it now but I always wish yeah. I could have been in that kind of mind frame a long time ago yes yeah yeah and it is it's just trying to I suppose you know we are human beings not human doings and even when in you are in a sport if there is high pressure and you have to do and you have to train and, and all of these things but I think if we if we forget about why we're doing it and if we lose connection to that you know real passion that you have what brought you to doing it in the first place mm-hmm. and when you reconnect to that passion that why you know who you know the how and the what you'll do every day I mean, the technical skills you'll learn, you know, you'll learn all of those things that you need to do. But if your why is really strong and you love what you do, it's you become invincible. And that that really is, I think, that that shines through in, in athletes when they when they just, yeah. you know, play from the heart. Give us a quick overview of the kind of process you'd go through with an athlete. Um, so that it can range from from different things, um, but from an integrative health and, you know, well-being and performance stance, um, whether it's an athlete or whether it's, you know, an individual, a, a, a corporate or it doesn't really matter. Human beings are human beings at the end of the day um, and we will all face adversity and challenges in our life. And it's trying to manage that and it's trying to, you know, be at a prevent best and bounce back when when we get these you know challenges so it's trying to prepare people to you know be in the moment as much as they can and something that myself and my husband would would look at a lot is the whole concept of w-i-n so to win 
And that is what's important now. And I think for so many of us in today's world, we're, you know, either thinking about the future and we're outcome focused. So we have to win or I have to win this medal. And that just launches us into fear and it launches into almost anxiety and this, this pressure that we put on ourselves. Or we're thinking about the past, the last game, the last ball, and we're kind of going into self-doubt or we're giving out to ourselves or blaming ourselves. And what's important now is actually just gets you to focus on the moment. So take, for example, you're maybe playing a rugby game and it's 80 minutes. And if, say, for example, maybe the last pass didn't go well or the last ball or you dropped it and maybe a couple of things in succession didn't go your way, and maybe then you start to get angry or frustrated and you can throw in the towel or the head drops. And we've all been in those situations. But what's important now or winning every moment is you start to, you know, reframe things. So instead of thinking it as a big game of 80 minutes, you start to think of it as 40 games of two minutes. And so you're just thinking of every two minutes. So then you're refreshing every two minutes. Let the last two minutes go. If it didn't go your way, okay, it's pa- it's in the past. You can't change that now. What can I do? What can I focus on now? Next ball, next ball. What's important now? And I think that whole concept is so important because it just keeps you focused. It keeps you in the moment. And when you're in the moment, that's all you have. And if you're distracted, that's when you'll drop the ball. That's when you'll miss the kick. Mm-hmm. And you'll start to you know, start to make decisions that aren't the best for you. So and that's the same in life. You know, we're going around distracted. We're trying to do 50 things at the one time when we're actually not getting any one thing done properly. Um, so that whole concept of what's important now is a very, very good one that works really well with people. Um, the ho- whole other area, you know, as well is to how do you develop the person as opposed to develop them as the athlete? And I think this is something that, you know, is a really, really important thing, because as you're going through your career, maybe as an athlete or whatever it may be, um, you can start to over identify yourself with that role. And all of a sudden you're not, you know, Emily or Miriam or all of a sudden now you are the rugby player, the boxer, the whatever sport you're playing. Um, and in time that that just causes a lot of pressure. And I think it's important that we, whoever you're working with, whether it's a psychologist, a nutritionist or a coach or whatever you're doing, that you you identify the person outside of sport and that you make sure that they're not just defined by what they do and that they have a sense of who they are. Because when they can't play sport anymore, what do, what do you do then? And I think it's important to give people a sense of values and get them to reconnect with their own sense of values and a sense of vibrancy in life off the pitch as well as on the pitch that's so that's so interesting we actually have many a question for you on that topic mm-hmm. <laughs> uh to, to come but um coming back to your kind of coaching practice do you work with teams as well as athletes or or, or yeah or do you have a preference um no for me i work more predominantly with individuals um and that's Again, looking at that integrated wellness model. So looking at everything from, you know, you know, their fit as again, the model is the mind, the body and the spirit. So you meet someone where they're at and some people would be really good in a certain area. And maybe it's another area that kind of they need that extra bit of work on. And, and it's trying to 
develop, as you said, that ho- the whole person. So you might have people who are, you know, physically very stri- uh, fit um, physically very strong. Maybe their nutrition is really, really good. Um, but then their mindset, you know, they're really hard on themselves or they give out to themselves or they judge themselves or maybe compare themselves too much. And and that whole area, you know, needs to be looked at. And not to forget that everything that we think and everything that we feel also has a physical manifestation in the body. So when we're looking at our health, our overall health, um, not just our performance, we have to be mindful of the the way that we're speaking to ourselves. Mm. Um, there's a, an amazing guy called Bruce Lipton, who's a, a scientist, a, a medical doctor, a biologist, and he's done loads of research and he has said that our thoughts become our internal chemistry. So that's basically, if you could imagine every cell in your body has a pair of ears and your cells will listen to everything that you think and they'll feel everything you feel. So they will respond and they will express or turn on and turn off according to that. So if we are, you know, giving out to ourselves a lot or our thoughts are negative or we're very demanding on ourselves or judging ourselves, it's like our cells pick up on that and they be they become toxic, they become inflamed. And that's the root of all disease, which is a lack of ease, is inflammation toxicity in our cells. And the opposite of that is true as well. If we can learn more self-compassion, and that's a big thing that I do with a lot of people, is trying to develop that sense of self-love, self-care, self-respect, um, and build that into your, your routines, because then your cells pick up on that. And... You know, when I say that initially, people go, oh, I don't know if I believe that and da, 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 da. And I think the most easiest and simplest way of explaining that is if, for example, you were upset or you were sad or something happened, that's a thought, that's an emotion. And as a result of that, you'll physically start to produce tears. So as a result of a thought and emotion, you get a physical manifestation. Same as if you're embarrassed, your blood vessels will dilate the cheeks and you'll go red. So they're just really simple examples. And that's why the power of the mind, not only in what you do and how you perform, but also the impact it has on your health. And I think that that connection is just really important to make. So I make that with people. And then, you know, obviously looking at that, the whole sense of the soul. So what do you want? Who are you as a person? What are you passionate about? And what do you love to do? What brings you alive? And are you prioritizing that in your life? Have you fun in your life? Have you play in your life? And and they're they're huge, um, hugely important to health and performance. That's um, that's a really amazing answer. Um, and I suppose it leads into our next question. We get our our next question because when you think of um, an injured athlete it's not just the body that becomes injured it's also the mind the sense of self all of the things mm-hmm. that you've you've just kind of spoken about but one of the things that we've heard from athletes again and again is that when especially athletes who play uh, a team sport is that they go from you know 6am training sessions with all their best friends um, and then whatsapp groups that buzz all day every day about you know what happened this morning and what we're doing later um, to being in the gym on their own grinding it out and trying to recover, but being like a total fish out of water. Um, so what kind of advice would you maybe offer to an athlete who was struggling with that? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. And it's something that's, you know, very, very common. And not just with athletes, it, it's it's the same in life. So if we have challenges in our life. 
we are we almost feel like the athlete that's been dropped off the pitch or you know if you lose a job or if you break a relationship or you know you have an argument with a friend or a colleague or there's some conflict it's all it's kind of the same and they're very applicable you know both sport and life and I think that's why I love sport is that it develops you not just as an athlete but for life in general so in a situation where you're injured or something isn't going the way you want it to go um, the easiest thing is is for people is to kind of go into a hole and wallow up and kind of you know get down get depressed get anxious and and really what you're trying to do in that situation is build up um, a person's mental fitness so we all know where to go if we want to get physically fit we know we can go to a gym you know we go to a personal trainer but where do we go if we want to get mentally fit or mentally strong and what you're trying to do is you're trying to almost build up a bank of your mental fitness so that when something like this happens you have the tips tools and resources to enable you to get through these challenging times so what do we do to build up our mental fitness so there's a, a whole host of things that you can do and work on with athletes and, and people in you know corporate or whatever it may be and there are different things like so visualization incredible thing that you you can bring people through guided visualizations or they start to do their own and that starts to plant seeds in their mind so even if they are injured they start to visualize themselves being better they start to visualize themselves and manifest and and see them back on the pitch and that you know and scientifically has proven you know it works you know so things like visualization meditation again um i'm a huge believer in meditation and mindfulness um and the power that has on the mind to calm it down and to, you know, bring it back into perspective during these challenging times. So meditation, visualization, deep breathing, again, incredible way to get you out of the fight or flight sympathetic nervous state dominant, which is stress state. And that happens when you go into a situation like you described, you go into kind of a, a fight or flight and people can get angry, they can get frustrated and that's that fight. Or they can go into flight, which is they go in on themselves or they run away and they get a bit introverted and they don't express it or they keep it bottled up. So things like deep breathing is a really good way. It brings you out of that fight or flight and it brings you into the other part of your nervous system, which is the parasympathetic, which is all about rest, digest and repair. And when you're injured or in a, a state where something's not functioning properly, you want your body to go into that rest, digest and repair because that's where it will repair. And that's where it'll heal. And that's where, you know, not just physically, but also mentally and emotionally. So they're just some, very, you know, very simple tips, mental fitness so visualization, meditation, deep breathing. And again, the stories and the self-talk that that mental. What are you what are the the affirmations, positive affirmations that you're you're saying to yourself, you know, journaling, writing. They're all really good ways of reaffirming what you want in your life as opposed to focusing on what you don't have. Excellent. And the next question is just really about athletes. And I think just people in general, we have this kind of nature to to just come back that little bit too early, whether it's like you're just getting over an illness like the flu, but you go back to work too early or for an athlete, yeah. it's like you, you, you're at the stage where you can still feel something, but you're like, I'm ready to go back mentally. And often we see there's a relapse or yeah. you know you're just not ready and, and that can hit you like a, a ton of bricks and yeah. what's kind of the best po process post injury for just getting back to your best yeah that's a really really good question and like that you just you're dying to get back onto the onto the field or into the ring or whatever it is and 
sometimes we the love of what we do or the you know that sense of urgency to get back can overshadow the respect of self and the love of the body and sometimes we ignore the signs and signals that our body is trying to give us um, because we, we really just want to get back there and I think it's important that we we learn to listen to the body and that we learn to respect it and give it what it needs because as you said it will relapse again if we don't give it the adequate time and space that it needs to to heal itself um, so Really, it's it's looking at, um, you know, firstly, we're looking at the immune system and we're looking at how do we build up our immunity and get strong. So firstly, to prevent us getting colds and flus and getting sick regularly. And then if we do that, we bounce back that little bit quicker and that the our immune system is the most incredible defense system that we have. And our bodies are naturally really intelligent and they want us to be healthy. But often it's ourselves that gets in the way and we're the one that blocks it and we're the one that actually causes it to get sick through the lifestyles that we're living. So too much processed food, too much caffeine, too much stimulants, too much stress, not enough sleep, poor relationships, living in the wrong environment or the wrong space. And um, maybe in a career that's not fulfilling you, that's causing this internal angst and anxiety. Um, so these things will put pressure on your immune system. And really, if you think about it, your 75 to 80 percent of your immune system is in your gut. And you I'm sure we've all heard now about the importance of gut health. But especially in, in athletes, it's it's so important that we look after, as we said, as I said earlier, the 99 percent. So we're looking after the things that we can do every day to make ourselves stronger. And one of the key areas is building up our immunity. Um, and how do we do that? So we look at gut health. So we start to reduce our processed foods. We start to reduce the amount of added stimulants and pressure that we're putting on our system. We start to unload the stress a little bit more. We start to add in more sleep, add in more rest, add in more recovery. Um, and we start to, you know, allow the body the time and space that it needs when it needs it. And, and to listen to it rather than forcing ourselves and pushing ourselves. And it's trying to get that balance. And I know with sport, it is difficult and especially amateur sport when you're w- trying to juggle work and then you're going home and you're packing the bag and you're getting out and you have to go training. And you're not home till nine or ten o'clock and you have to get up again. It's this cycle. But how can we build in, you know, small little routines throughout my day that I can get rest and recover? And simply, as I said earlier, deep breathing is one of the most important ways that we can do that. It doesn't cost anything and it doesn't take any time. You know, before you get in your car, before you turn on your laptop, you know, before you go to bed, can you take five to ten deep, slow belly breaths? And it's amazing how it can reset your whole system and your whole mindset. And not only throughout your day when you're at work, but even whether you're on the pitch or in the ring, you start to build these reset triggers so every time the ball goes out over the line stop take three deep breaths you know you know whatever sport that you're in that you have these little moments that you can just reset refocus and 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 you're refreshed then and it's the same in life you know and and they're just tiny simple things but they're really really important so look after your immunity look after the gut health get in your probiotics you know get in your prebiotics you know and and your good foods and uh, just reducing the stress because stress is is a major major uh, thing that will will actually deteriorate our immune system. 
Yeah, and there's more and more people now kind of speaking openly about their experiences with mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we see, for example, athletes that are kind of in the spotlight as well, uh, which can add, you know, that level of complexity. What is What would your role be in kind of assisting a person or an athlete, um, you know, kind of dealing with an issue like mental health or... Yeah, so, you know, as you said, as you touched on it there, it is, it's quite a... Um, a a very, you know, I suppose, prominent area now for so many people. And um, I mean, I spent 10 years working in pharmacy where I absolutely really saw the progression and the rise in things like mental health and anxiety and stress. And I went from prescribing or, or, you know, dispensing antidepressants quite regularly um, to nearly being on every second prescription. And it really was an eye opener for me. It really, really was. And I kind of started to ask myself, you know, why is this and, and what is going on that's causing this massive surge in in mental health and anxiety? And yes, of course, our lifestyles have gotten busier and there's more pressures and, and all of that. And also, I think, you know, antidepressants are, are being prescribed quite easily now where, um, you know, their kind of first line, which really, you know, it needs to be an integrated approach, really. So you look at everything that's going on. But I think really the most important thing is, you know, when someone is struggling with something, that they have a safe space and that they can talk to somebody and that they know that, you know, they're not alone in this. And if you're on a team, I can guarantee you there's going to be definitely a lot of other people in the same boat as you um it's one in three really so one in three will suffer a mental health challenge and if you're not one of those three you're probably living with someone that has one so it comes much closer to our doors and i'm sure we've all experienced it in some way shape or form so it's looking at you know what are the support systems i can get so having someone that you can talk to whether it's your coach whether it's a teammate whether it's a housemate whether it's a family member or maybe it's it's a, a stranger. Some people, you know, find that easier. So you're getting the support, um, you know, talking about it. And also you're trying to deconstruct the emotions. So we need to move it out of the body. And if you think of the word emotion, it actually means energy in motion. And if we're not moving it out of the body through talking about it, through, you know, crying it out, exercise, moving it out, um, you know, writing it out, you know, in whatever way that you can express it and move it out of the body is incredibly important because otherwise if we keep it bottled in and we keep it held it's like you're holding a bottle of fizzy coke and you're shaking it all the time and that's that anxiety yet the the lid is you know really held down tight and it's like this fizz and it's just percolating underneath and then all of a sudden the lid just and everything is like a pressure cooker and it explodes Mm. so what we want to do is we want to slowly open the lid so it kind of goes And it almost kind of comes out organically or more at a more manageable level. So, you know, that's kind of what I I always refer, always refer to a trained psychologist or, you know, GP or somebody if they need that extra level of help. Of course, that's really, really important. Um, But it's just trying to to manage and and give the the person the support that they need and and to be a good listener as well, you know, and let people express and, and let people be who they need to be in that moment in time. That's a really interesting metaphor. I can really see that. Um, and one thing um, that I've heard a million and one times, and I'm sure it's the same for every sport, but uh, as a runner, I hear it at every race, I'd say. Um, when someone says, oh, I've had the perfect training block. 
the, just the most perfect 12 weeks but uh it all just blew up for me today like it just it went terribly wrong for you know from mile three or mile 10 or whatever it was um and they just completely cracked under pressure and the nerves took over so mm. how I suppose would you kind of advise somebody who was dealing with that kind of performance anxiety um or yeah or you know somebody who had a perfect training block but knew that race day was going to be trouble for them for that reason mm-hmm. yeah again um you know again applies to all walks of life you know people can as, as you said crack under the pressure you know um and again it's it's trying to get the person in a mindset well, if firstly, if they have all of the 12 weeks done really, really good. So they've ate really well, they've slept, they've trained, they recovered and, and, you know, they've everything done perfectly, as you said. Well, then it's trying to get them to a mindset where they know, OK, they can believe in themselves and back themselves and that they have the, they have all of the hard work done. That's in the tank. What you want to do now is just go out and have fun. Because what absolutely actually happens, people, is they crack under the pressure because they put too much goddamn emphasis on the outcome. And that comes back to being attached to the outcome and attached to the identity. What will happen if I lose this? Oh, my God, I lose my identity. Da, 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 da. And, the, you know, it's this catastrophe. So you're actually trying to, as I mentioned earlier, you're getting them to try and get into flow state where they're just being and they're having fun and they're in motion and they're just flying and everything is effortless and they're tapping into this almost infinite energy source. And that's when you're in flow state. And that's that sense of, as I mentioned earlier, that spirituality. And that's that sense of you just love what you do. And you can see it in people. They're just flowing and it's effort and effortless. And there's almost like there's just a grace within within them. And that comes from having the confidence that you've done your perfect training block. You know you have it in the bank. You know you have it in the legs. So now it's just trying to go out and have fun. And just know it, it's it's no difference to any other race. A race is a race. It's the same amount of miles that you've trained before and you've run before. So what makes it different? And it's the same in, in life. People go, you know, oh, I have a massive meeting tomorrow. And we'd say, well, how big is the room? You know, like how big, how massive is this meeting? And we just can like almost get ourselves t- you know, tied up into these knots when there's no... When you actually break it back, it's just what you've been doing all your life. So just go out and have fun. So it's trying to get people to enjoy it. I remember going back out a good few years now. I was kind of so caught up in making the Ireland team. And I remember like the the team were playing at the time, Rohini. We, we won the, uh, the league and the next day I went out training because I just wanted it so bad and it just wasn't happening for me. And just after Christmas, I remember like actually physically making the decision where I was like, I'm just not going to care anymore. I'm just going to go and enjoy myself. And I'd say within the space of a month, I then got a call up. Yeah. Um, but I just remember it was the happiest month ever. I just was playing with kind of like no expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had kind of just got into that, as you say, that flow state mm-hmm. where I was just enjoying myself. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. coming off a pitch looking to see if there was like someone from the Ireland set up mm-hmm. in the crowd watching or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's very, very important, you know, <laughs> Absolutely, is that yeah. no matter whether you're a professional or just someone playing sport, at, you know, at an amateur level, like you've got to keep that enjoyment at the forefront. Absolutely. You know, and it's when we get caught up in the outcome and the pressures is that we lose sight of of what it's all about. Yeah, but I wasn't yeah. enjoying anything in life that yeah. stage, you know, because I was yeah. so caught up mm-hmm. in you know, my identity was so interlinked with, with, with that. I felt like 
I needed mm-hmm. to, to be recognized as, a, as an international, to, you know, to kind of keep up with what every, everybody else was expecting of me. Of course. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it was just interesting when you were talking about it there. All yeah. came back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's 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 the same in life as well. And, you know, people want to climb the corporate ladder and they want to get to the top. Yeah. And, and you know, when you strip it all back and you go back to the core of it all, really it it comes down to a, a self-belief and yeah. a, an inner self-worth and sometimes we we feel like we'll be respected or approved of by what we do as opposed to who we are mm. Riam, can i take you back a bit you spoke about visualization earlier on mm. and uh i went through a diagnosis of a condition uh, and i had to take a break from playing and i remember when somebody had said to me go and do some visualization because I was so caught up with the anxiety of what what would happen if I stepped out into the pitch again I had a concussion I developed I, I had concussion and I developed a condition called Meniere's disease mm-hmm. and I was so worried about going back out into the pitch and having an attack or something happening to me mm-hmm. and someone said go to and do some visualization and I was very reluctant um to do it mm-hmm. But uh, the one thing I was really surprised by it was uh, the effect that it had on me physically. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was working with someone who would actually put me in a position of imagining what the anxiety would feel like mm-hmm. on the pitch. And we worked back from there, you know, in terms of then yeah. when I was able to visualize being out on the pitch and not feeling that anxiety anymore. Amazing. And, you know, is there any kind of tips on how best to... To, to do that or to start yeah, to start yeah. that project a process yeah um and it's amazing to hear that story you know thank you for sharing that and you know you're right it, it, people do sometimes have a reluctancy to to try you know something like that or maybe go oh, what's that about or it's all quacky quacky um but it does it, it's really really powerful and the power of our mind and the power of our subconscious mind is incredible and you know it's we we really don't realize the tracks that we're playing all of the time these you know programmed tracks that we're playing from our conscious mind and they're all you know seeped into us from they're really they're developed from the age um, between your 2 and 7 and mm-hmm. when you're in between the age of 2 and 7 you're actually in um theta which is uh, hypnosis so you know yourself if you see kids they download everything so quickly that's the time you learn to walk you learn to you know speak you know if kids learn different languages really quickly if they're around different parents with different languages um their motor neuron skills everything starts to grow and develop during that stage and they're actually in hypnosis which is pretty much download and in those you know earlier years of your life you that's where you lock in those core beliefs and those core values about yourself and you will start to live all of those out as you go into your adult life and they're subconscious so we don't even know we're doing them um and that's why when we have a default system like something happens that's why some people go into fight they'll go ah you know that angry defensive or some people go into flight and that you know retractive you know uh, flee almost mode so that's that's hypnosis and that's what we've been we almost we've downloaded from our subconscious so when we're going into visualization what we're trying to do is we're literally trying to rewire the brain this whole area of neuroplasticity and we're trying to sow new seeds and we're trying to relaunch new pathways in our brain in our subconscious mind because you know even if you know for example if you're right-handed and your phone is on the table and it rings 
your immediate reaction is you'll pick it up with your right hand and you'll do that all of the time. If I was asked you to pick the phone up with your left hand, it would feel really strange, you know. But if you were to do that every day and train yourself to do that, then you're now rewiring the brain. So you're creating a new pathway. And all of a sudden when the phone rings, then you can pick it up with either hand. So you've actually just retrained the brain. And that's kind of what you're doing in visualization. And you're really, you're dropping yourself into a very meditative state, into a, you know, getting into that pure conscious state. And you are starting to plant new seeds. So it's like your brain is, you know, your mind is a fertile garden and you start to manifest the seeds that you plant in there through your thoughts and through this visualization, which is this imaging process. You start to see what you want, you start to smell, and it's very much connected to senses. So if you even essential, like an essential oil, if you start to inhale that, it'll start to really bring you back to that the next time you, you, you inhale it. So that's why people have it in their handbags or on their, you know, in their gear bag or to help with like stress. Um, so you start to really engage the senses as you're brought through an almost an imagery or a guided visualization. And you start to see how you want to play. You want to see how you walk, how you talk, how you eat, how you interact with people. And you start to almost play this movie out. And it's incredible because your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between real and fiction. It will just manifest what you tell it to do. But the vast majority of the time we're telling it the things we don't want because we're focusing every day on what we don't have as opposed to what we do want. So it's when we try to flip the switch and visualization is a brilliant way to do that. It gets you into a mindset where you start to plant the seeds of actually what you want to create. And then your mind will manifest and then you will manifest it because that's the power of the subconscious mind. That, I actually love that phrase that you keep repeating what's important now. Um, that's that's really impactful. We've um, we've been chatting an awful lot about the the kind of the psychology and the the your approach to um, athletes who are in competition. Um, so we're just going to take it back to kind of more a general life, uh, yeah, general life approach and specifically training. Um, I suppose one thing that applies maybe more so to to female athletes uh, than than their male counterparts. Um, is that they're more likely to have day jobs as well. Mm -hmm. So the workload is bigger. Um, And yeah, I suppose you still do a considerable amount of, you know, housework and you have to do the meal prep and um, it boggles my mind. And I actually really want all of our guests to write it down because I just, how do they create more time in the day? Because I certainly don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, But what kind of impact does that stress, everyday stress have on, you know, elite performance? Yeah, it's it's a... a really, I suppose, challenging one that we are facing in, in today's world. And would you believe 95, you know, science studies have been done to say that 95% of all of our illness and disease in today's world is coming from stress. So it's a huge statistic. So it's really important that we manage it well and that we don't lose sight of who we are and, and our own health in the middle of trying to juggle all of these things. Because if we lose that, well, then we can't do anything. We can't perform and we can't work and we can't do all of these things. So it, it's really, really important. And I think, um, as you said earlier, how do we get more time in our day? Um, we don't. Um, but we've never heard the phrase as much. Be- well, I've, I certainly have never heard people say time is moving so fast as much as I, have, I hear it nowadays. And the first thing, are you busy, are you busy, are you busy? And it's almost like this badge of honor that we have created. You know, people it's, love being busy. Oh, my oh God, I'm just so busy. I don't. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> like busy is the uh, it's the enemy of performance. It's the absolute enemy of performance. And if you are busy, you cannot really be performing at your best because you're distracted. And distraction and stress are kind of the same things. And we live now in a world, as we call it, and myself and my husband call it the disease of distraction. Mm. And it's just, it's just, the no, it's become normal. And I would say to people, you know, it's very, very common, but it's not normal. And it's not normal for our bodies to keep going and living up to this high level of stress and demand that we're putting on ourselves. And it's like bringing it back to an athlete. If you were an athlete and you were to go out and run a 400 meter sprint and, you know, you train and you warm up and you get the body warm and then you go out and you go all hell for leather and you sprint and you have adrenaline going and, you know, you're pumping. And that's fantastic while you're on the track. But then the race ends and you get off the track and you rest, you recover, you rehab, you rehydrate and, you know, you take a little bit of time. But what's happening in our, our, our lives, you know, is it's kind of like we're the athlete, but we're never getting off the track and it's just go, go, go all of the time. So how do we manage that and how do we try and and, and like I'm I'm absolutely not perfect. I don't think anybody is perfect, but we you know what can we do to try and maintain it and prevent it in some situations. So when it comes to stress and juggling, it's it's looking at, you know, obviously, um, you know, your food and your nutrition obviously is really important. So what are you putting into the body every day? Because if you're putting stimulants into your body, processed food, a lot of caffeines and sugars, it's just going to drive up your nervous system. It's going to cause more irritability and anxiety. And then when it comes to the evening time, you find you're going to find it much harder to unwind. And then if you don't unwind or you're not sleeping well, then you're going to wake up feeling tired and groggy. And then what's the first thing you want? A coffee. And then we get on this vicious cycle of coffee, coffee, coffee. And I, I was allowed to say to people, your body doesn't want coffee. It wants sleep. It wants rest. But we get it. We get sucked into this cycle. So looking at what you're eating. So reducing your caffeine, reducing your stimulants, reducing your sugar and trying to just go back to basics, eating real wholesome, you know, food. Um, as I say, you know, look at your plate. Is it full of color? Go back to basics. Eat more food that comes from the ground and grows on trees and less food that comes from packets tins cartons and jars um so that's one way um also just looking at obviously your hydration and i know that's a big thing for for athletes but just making sure that they're not over drinking as well um because i think that can also be an issue and then you're peeing a lot and when you're peeing a lot you're putting a lot of extra pressure on the kidneys and the bladder and you're actually peeing it out your electrolytes so you're being thirsty and then you need more water and you have this extra pressure and you're putting pressure on the body that it, it doesn't need and and again the bladder is a muscle so it's like anything it needs to be trained so what's the ideal for hydration it's it's really your pee should be straw color so if it's too clear you're drinking too much if it's too dark you're drinking you're not drinking enough and the reason i mentioned hydration for stress is because it has a massive impact on our cognitive ability so we're if we're not hydrated enough with brain fog you know we get groggy we don't think as clear so it's just good for, for a sense of vibrancy as well. So food and nutrition and hydration, um, making sure, again, the simple things are done right. Um, you know, sleep is a huge one for our overall health and well-being and performance. Um, again, everybody's different, but we do ideally need somewhere between seven to nine hours. And a lot of people say to me, you know, Mary, I can survive on six. It's no problem. And maybe they can now short term. But long term, the body needs it needs sleep. It's when our body repairs itself. It's when our brain, you know, it's almost like 
our lymphatic system at nighttime, it clears out the brain. So we need it. Um, and I would say to people, well, if you're, say, sleeping six hours a night, you're actually losing out on two, uh, two nights sleep a week if you add up the hours. So you should be getting somewhere between seven and nine. So if you do the maths, you multiply six by seven and you deduct the hours, you're actually nearly an hour, a night and a half to two hours lower than it, what you really should be. So and I would say to someone, would you go out and play a game after not sleeping for two nights? Absolutely not. You know, or would you would you perform at your best? Would you, you know, in the corporate space, would you feel a big meeting or whatever it is? Do you think you'd make a really good decision after being two hours sleep down or two two nights sleep down? You wouldn't. But yet, when you scale that out over the week, that's what we're doing. So sleep is a big one. Um, stress, obviously, you know, your nutrition, um, as I mentioned, your sleep. And then looking at things like nighttime routines and morning routines, you know, they're simple things, but they're so important how you set your day up Um, you know, journaling, writing, unplugging is just a huge thing to reduce stress. If you want to reduce your stress, unplug, come off your phone for an hour less every day and it will dramatically reduce your stress because we are just being, especially in the morning, most of us use it as our alarm clock. So the minute you get up in the morning, hand is in your phone is in your hand and then you're sucked in. You have emails coming in, you have WhatsApp, you have Instagram, you have all of these things and you're just sucked in and then automatically you're dragged into everybody else's life and you're disconnected from your own life. And that's the first five, ten minutes of your day. And that's the most crucial time of your day. So for me, I always like to build in meditation, breathing and um, visualization during that time of the day because you've just way awoken so you're you're already in that kind of a deep state of relaxation so that's when it will work best so we know about the role of food in relation to training the body um but what about food in relation to training the mind or, or keeping a healthy mind yeah super question super question and very much connected um so we we have this thing we call the gut brain axis and they're now saying that or what well, science is now saying that our gut is like our second brain. So, of course, what we put into our body and we put into our digestive tract and our gut is going to have a massive impact on our mind and on our brain and on our mood and on our energy. Um, so what happens is we have when we put food into our mouth, it goes into our stomach to be broken down and then it goes into the intestines or the gut to be um, reabsorbed. The vitamins and minerals from the food gets into the bloodstream. But what happens is if we have um, an imbalance in our gut through um, bacteria, so it's called the microbiome. And as I said earlier, 75 to 80 percent of our immune system is in our gut. And it's like we have these really good bacteria in the gut that act as our defense system. But what happens is over time, through stress, through bad food, through medications, they will start to kill off those good bacteria and we'll ac actually start to get the bad bacteria starting to overcrowd the good bacteria. So now we get this immune imbalance. Um, our immune system almost starts to tilt and we start to get what we call, you know, leaky gut syndrome. So the good bacteria start to get diminished, the bad bacteria take over. And what happens is your your gut lining is also all, almost like a fishing net. It has all these little tiny holes in it. And through those tiny holes, you get the absorption into your bloodstream of the vitamins and the minerals and the things that you get from your food. But over time with this, you know, 
processed food, which are not natural. So when we put it into the body, the body says, I don't know what you are. You're not meant to be in here. I think we forget that we are not living in nature. We are nature, you know. So the more we're putting things into the body that that are made in a lab, that are artificial chemicalized, you know, sugars and all these glucose syrups and all of these things that are literally made in a lab, is the body goes, I don't know what you are. And eventually this little fishing net, these little holes start to get bigger. And that's what we call leaky gut syndrome. And in these little holes, then you start to get undigested particles, undigested proteins, toxins and different things seeping into the bloodstream that aren't meant to be in there because your defense system now is lowered. So they go into the bloodstream and you get what you call the body saying, I don't know what you are. You're not meant to be in here. I want to attack you and get you out of here. So it'll attack it through inflammation. And this is why we're getting a lot of autoimmune diseases right now. But why this is affected to our brain is that can also when you get this dysbiosis or this imbalance in the gut with the bacteria, that will affect the blood brain barrier of the brain. And that has a massive impact on the brain and impacts on our neurotransmitters, our serotonin, our dopamines. These are our feel good, happy hormones and you get this imbalance. So, of course, what we're putting into our bodies has a massive impact. And I think even to break it down into simple terms, you know, we've all been there where we've probably overeaten, eaten too much crap, sugars and chocolates and stuff. And you almost feel like you're hungover. It's like food coma. And and that that what that can is what happens. And the more stimulants and caffeines we're putting in, it's also playing puck with our blood sugar levels. So it's making it spike and drop, spike and drop, spike and drop. And every time it drops, it gets your, you know, your mood drops, your energy drops. And then you're like, oh, I need something again. So you start to crave these things like sugars and caffeines to get you back up and you're getting this spikes. And over time, that just causes damage inside and ends up leading to insulin resistance and diabetes and all of these things that we don't want. Excellent. And my next question, is it's kind of two questions together. And it's just around, really, we've been chatting a bit about the importance of wellness in relation to athletes and just mm-hmm. people in general. But what about um, wellness in relation to kind of bosses or managers or coaches? And, and the second question in that, again, is is as somebody, like if you're an employee or mm-hmm. an athlete, how do you sell that to your boss or manager or coach as being something positive and not, you know, a waste of time or just yeah, something yeah. else? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think the most important thing to think of is and, and fundamentally, I believe more than anything, that is if we are not well in ourselves, if we don't have the energy, the vibrancy, the passion to get up and do what we want to do and to do it at our best, well, then we can't perform. If we're not well, we cannot be at our best. And if we are not at our best, well, then we're, where are we going? So I think to make it applicable and to make it relevant and to show the importance of it is is to whether it's a boss or an employee or a coach, you know, you know, if it's a, if you're in a corporate, you know, if you're not well, you're going to be out sick more, you know, the levels of absenteeism. And actually what's actually more damaging is the amount of people that are in work, but absolutely not performing at their best and making mistakes is more detrimental than actually the people that are probably out sick. And that is what's happening more because people feel they need to be there because there's a pressure. So well-being in your mind and your body and your soul is just vital 
not only that you you know make good decisions think better clearly under pressure perform have more composure more clarity you're nicer to be around there's a better atmosphere in the camp or in your organization people are kinder to one another they're not as defensive and moody and narky they're not as hyped up in sugar and caffeine and and volatile so really what you're trying to create is a, a workforce or a team force that are calm, that are composed, that are energized and that love what they do. And if you're not well in yourselves, it's very hard to create that. Miriam, we were at a, a recent Liberty Insurance event um, on female coaches and we heard some real trailblazers talk about the importance of a supportive space. And it's something I'm sure we'd both agree with. And it's mm-hmm. something that you've already touched on already. Um You've taken it a step further and you've gone into business with Jerry. Um, so tell us a little bit about what it's like working with him and how you both complement each other, how he complements your skill set. Yeah, so it's um, and it's it's a really good question because and we get asked that quite a lot, actually. Well, what's it like working together and and been married together and all of that? And to be honest, um, I, I absolutely love it because we're both so interested in the same thing. And um even though, you know, at times, like anything else in life, you do have to be mindful that you don't always get consumed by work and you have to be mindful that you, you know, you're not bringing it to the dinner table every evening. So that is something that we're very, very mindful of and that we have to be able to switch off from work and switch on to just being us. So that's something that that is probably the most challenging, um, but it's something that we are very mindful of. Um, but it's 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 great to work together. Um, you know, Jerry's very much focused on, you know, the mind and the mental health side of things. And I am as well, but focus on a lot on more the well-being space and, you know, the food and the science and the physiology and, the you know, the pharmacy side and together looking at the mind, body, soul. It's a really good combination. And I think what makes it work really well is as well is because you have a male and a female. And it's the yin and the yang. And it's, you know, I think in all walks of life, um, we can get over consumed maybe in a certain way or a certain thing. And I sometimes I think when you look at the male and the female, it's because we're different and we think differently a lot of the times. It's good to have that balance. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really enjoyable and it's it's working well so far. Anyway, thank God. <laughs> And in terms of your own career, Miriam, you left a secure job in pharmacy and mm-hmm. you, you made the leap to begin a full time career in your own business, The Awakening. Yes, that's right. Yeah. How did you psych yourself up to, to do that? A lot of psyching up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So again, like that, it, it was a big jump and it was a big, uh, you know, scary time, you know, like anything else, transition and will I, won't I and all of this. And um, I suppose for me, it got to the stage where I the love of what I wanted to do, I was being inhibited by where I was. And I and like we mentioned earlier, you know, if you're half in one place and half in another, but you're you're not fully anywhere then. And for me, I started to reduce my hours in the pharmacy so I could focus on building what I was, you know, love doing on the side. And then it got to the stage where, you know, I, I had to make the decision. I couldn't do both any longer. So I, I took the leap and I think for me, it's been it's been an amazing roller coaster and it's been an amazing journey. Would I go back? Go back? Absolutely not. Um, It's been one of the best decisions I have ever made. But 
it hasn't been without challenge. And I'm, I'm very much about being open and honest and vulnerable and the power that that has to also inspire and help other people along their journey because nobody's perfect and nobody has it all together. Um, not all of the time anyway. So I know for me, being going from a steady, reliable, paid job every week to unemployed world, um, of course, it was, you know, daunting. And um, and it still is at times and it's uncertain and you have to really learn how to become comfortable in the the not the unknown, you know, and it's trying to navigate those shores of uncertainty at times. But again, it's learning to trust. And that has been the biggest lesson for me, learning to trust in this incredible universe. It always provides for us if we just sometimes just can try and not strive and control and grasp And like you said earlier, when you stopped and you just enjoyed, it just happened. And it's the same in life when we can just surrender to what's happening and trust a little bit. It's amazing what floods into your life and it's amazing what opportunities open. Um, So this this whole journey has been incredible and you you learn a lot about yourself um, and you learn how to, you know, manage the the stresses and the anxiety that comes with it um but you also learn that that it's an incredible journey and it's fun and it's uh exciting we're gonna finish up miriam um with a quick fire round perfect no pressure <laughs> perfect um that cream egg could come in real handy right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you spare one there? Uh, okay, so one of the questions we got in from um, listeners when we asked for questions was about a recommended reading list. Do you have any books that you always go to or anything that you recommend for people who uh, wanted to work some more on their, yeah, on their mental game? Yeah, um, so for me, I, I love um, Louise Hay. And she has a really good, she has lots of books, but um, the one that I just kind of literally keeps out of my bed is You Can Heal Your Life. And she very much goes into the whole positive affirmations. So trying to, you know, reaffirm and say positive affirmations to yourself every day. And for me, that was one of the first books that I ever um, really kind of opened me up when I was a teenager. My mom gave it to me and uh, I found it really, really useful. So um, The Power of the Mind, So You Can Heal Your Life, Louise Hay. Uh, another one just on the emotional eating that you were talking about earlier, um, women, food and God. And you don't have to be religious, you know, to to read it, but it's specifically for women. So it might be relevant to a lot of your listeners. But if you are struggling with emotional eating, that was a really, really good book as well. Excellent. Um, the second one that I've got is you've spoken about the importance of a morning routine. Now, I have to confess, mine involves either springing out of bed at 7am and texting a load of people uh, about podcast questions, Cassie and Shauna. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 7am texts are the regular or else bribing myself to get up with problems of coffee. Um, So what is your morning routine and top tips for sorting out people who have routines like mine? Yeah. um, So again, it's it's, um, practice and it's about um, trying to do one small thing every day and make that become your habit. If you try to do 100 things at one time, you won't do it. It won't be sustainable. You'll fall off the wagon, as they say, and you'll just revert back to the way you were. So I would always say, what is, you know, scaffold onto what you already do. So you get up, you wake up every morning, every day anyway. Okay, so what are the few things you can do? So for me, I like to set my alarm a little bit earlier. So if I know I have to be up at out a certain time, I'll set it maybe for 10, 15 minutes before that. And the simplest thing is, and it's been a real game changer for me, is 
I'll take a couple of minutes and I literally just roll over in my bed and go, oh, thank you, God, for this fabulous bed. I mean, that's the simplest thing in the world, but it just makes you feel grateful for something. So gratitude is a really, really powerful way to start your day. I put my hands on my heart and this is, it might sound, you know, bit crazy or whatnot but literally the science behind that is when you put your hand on your heart it actually starts to release oxytocin which is you know that love hormone and it just starts to flood through your system and I would just say to myself good morning I see you I hear you I feel you I'm going to honor you today and it's something as simple as that and that can really just set you up for your day um I'm very spiritual so I like to say a prayer so before I get out of bed I'll just say a couple of prayers and I'll do some meditation so that is something and that doesn't need a lot of time. If you are jumping out of bed and you're just like, I don't even have 10 minutes to do that. Well, I'd try to scaffold on to what you already do. So if you have a shower in the morning, you're going to be at least eight minutes in the shower. So breathe in the shower. Be mindful in the shower. Do your gratitude in the shower. You know, what three things am I grateful for this morning? Hot water, cup of tea when I go downstairs, whatever it may be. Um, and then I would always try to do so what are the three things I want to nourish? My mind, my body and my soul. So my mind in the morning routine is either I say a prayer, I do some meditation, I do some breath, deep breathing. So that's going to look after the mind. What about the body? I always like to do a bit of yoga. So I, I'm a big um, yoga person. I love it. I teach it. And it's just been a game changer for me. And five minutes of stretching in the morning, again, can be such a powerful way just to recenter you, to ground you, to refocus you, to let go of all the crap that you might have been carrying from yesterday, maybe a conversation that you didn't ha like or a thought or something that's creeping in. And it's just a good way of releasing it. The body, another way to nourish it, have a healthy breakfast. I like to have green smoothies. I love them. I make them most mornings um, or whether it's a hot water and lemon. And these are just you just pick one thing. And then the other one is the spirit of the soul. So, again, that's something that nourishes you. Maybe you plan you're going to meet your friend for uh, a walk in the evening or a cup of tea or, you, you know, something that you love to do. You're going to get out in nature. You're going to go for a swim, whatever it is. So what one thing can you pick from each of those areas? Mind, body and spirit. And what one thing can I nourish in each of those areas? So that helps me get focused. And again, these aren't big things. These aren't things that cost money that even need a lot of time. It can take a minute, two minutes. And yet they yet have they have a very profound impact when you do them regularly. Super. That was very helpful. It really was. Yeah. Learned loads today. Miriam, thanks so much for joining us in the hot seat. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It's uh, been a pleasure. Miriam, how can we follow you on Instagram and Twitter? Yeah. So my um, my own Instagram account is just Mer Kearns um, underscore integrated wellness. Um, Twitter is just Mer Kearns. Huzzy, I think. I'm not sure. My married name is Huzzy. My maiden name is Kearns. I'm not even sure which one I have on, on Twitter. It is Mary Kearns Hussey. Oh, it's all of them in the one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then we have our companies, The Awakening and Soul Space is the other event that we, we put on as part of um, The Awakening. So that's um, just Soul Space, the experience on, on Instagram and Twitter as well. Miriam will also be at Wellfest this June so if you're going be sure to check her out um, we'll be releasing this episode as part of some Wellfest promo yeah. um, and we'll be hopefully giving away a couple of tickets um, not with the condition but with the strong recommendation that if people are going they do come see you because this has been fascinating um, while you're on Twitter to give us a follow there's been so much live action involving Irish sportswomen to look forward to in the coming months um, and that's where we will provide you with all of the necessary information to keep you in the loop and hopefully get you out onto the sidelines 
Finally, a reminder to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're listening to us on, be it iTunes, Android, Stitcher or Spotify. That way you'll get the next one delivered directly to you. That's all for this episode and we'll chat to you again in two weeks.